Oh, we're back in our boxes. I know, What's right? Up? I miss you guys. <laughs> Welcome to the Security Squad podcast, guys. Uh, if you weren't with us last week, we were live in Charlotte all together. And now we're all back in our uh, respective offices. Uh, still bringing you the good, still bringing you the show, still bringing you the latest on cyber attacks. And boy, did we have... A hell of a time trying to figure out what the hell we were going to talk about today because there's really a lot going on out there. Yep, a lot not, going on. It's not an absence of content; it's too much content. Mm -hmm. too, too much content, and you know, just a combination of everything we talk about on the show: cyber attacks being reported later than normal, and then a combination of some cyber attacks being so out there in the public that they're being reported now, um, you know, because systems are down, things are down, things are not being accessed. So there's a lot, I mean, there's just a lot going on from ransomware attacks to business email compromise to multi-factor authentication compromises. And we're going to get into it today, but before we do, Rye, what's our fee? Or who's doing our fee? Is it Rye? You can do it. I'll do it. Why not? Yeah. Uh, so, so our fee, we, we don't have a fee. We, we just ask that you share this out and try and help out uh, anybody else that you know in the in the business community that might need this information. Uh, one of the yeah. biggest battles that we fight is people not knowing what they don't know. And uh, so spreading this information and letting people, uh, have, giving people the, the gift of understanding of cybersecurity uh, to help protect their business because you never want to find out about this the hard way. I had somebody tell me this week that they didn't need our services. And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> it was between that reaction and like mm -hmm. laughing in their face. Um, but yeah, I'm like, okay, you don't need our services in a regulated industry, no less. So mm -hmm. you think companies are protecting your data, but I can tell you, I talk to a lot of people out there. They're not. So if you have any like inkling in your brain that thinks that, any company out there is doing everything they should to protect your data. They're not. They're, no, you know. As a consumer, I think that's something that people need to start asking, asking the people that they're working with, what are you doing to protect my data? Yeah. I think, I think that's really important because I mean, just right think now, about I mean, most of them have an answer for that question. I mean, quite frankly, Americans, you know, as Americans in that, in that respect with consumers, I think GDPR is coming around to, uh, to be in a decade now mm -hmm. um, that, the Europeans have had those, you know, protections, rights. Um, and, you know, for the most part, European countries take GDPR very seriously because it's so easy for somebody to file a complaint and request, what information do you have about me? And they have to produce it. And then what are you doing to protect that information? There's, that, there's no requirement like that in the United States. Um you know, just thinking about if companies had to do that, that would require you to hire somebody in a compliance department for a GDP or, you know, similarly named yeah. law in the United States. It's it's easier for them to pay lobbyists to not get those laws on the books. hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, that, that, and that was my point. Like 10 years, Europe has had this and we still don't have anything that comes close to it around consumer protection of data. And, and that's that's why I thought it was funny too. When so when we were in Charlotte, and we were watching Chris Krebs talk. Anytime something about government regulation came up, like he kind of leaned back and laughed. 
uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's not going to happen. Or and, and if anything does happen, as we've seen, it's it's not in any kind of meaningful way. It's it's basically just mm-hmm. you know some words on paper that don't mean anything. Right, and he 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 rightfully pointed out the cybersecurity community, you know, cyber defenders, people that show up to to DEFCON and and Black Hat and all the events that we go to, we don't have the perspective that these big companies that don't want this stuff Mm -hmm. are pouring millions and millions and millions of dollars into setting up relationships with lawmakers to make sure it doesn't happen. And we as cybersecurity professionals need to understand that and we need to do the same thing. And I'm not saying that you have to go collect a bunch of money and go, you know, divvy out uh, campaign donations to your elected officials, but offer your expertise to these lawmakers who don't understand this, just like business people. Like when we talk to business people, they don't understand this and Mm -hmm. we know that, but the lawmakers don't understand it. So that's part of the apprehension. It's not just because some you know, firm is giving them money to not move forward with things. They don't understand it. So they're apprehensive to move forward with it. And guys like the four of us and other, you know, people out there who are really smart around this stuff. You know, one of the things, I mean, I, I said it when I was in Charlotte with you guys, like I don't live too far from Washington, DC. It doesn't, you know, it wouldn't take much for me to drive down there one day and try to set up meetings with, people in Washington to offer, you know, an explanation to them if they have questions about certain things and what's Mm -hmm. being proposed or how they should tackle this problem. Yep. Agreed. So Randy, this is wild. I just want to get into this Twilio thing. And I know, I know you want to talk about this because, you know, it's a big deal. We've, we've always said that, you know, an attack on, any kind of two-factor application that was kind of involved in this as well is a big deal. But there, there's more and more that's coming out about this kind mm-hmm. of, we'll call it the Twilio attack. Um, it's kind of more than that. Just that Twilio just happened to be one of the first companies affected by it. Um, but now we have mm-hmm. over 130 companies that were tangled in this sprawling phishing campaign that spoofed multi-factor authentication system. What happened here? All right. So uh, this is turning out to be uh, quite a large campaign um, as we learn more and more. Um, Very successful campaign. Um, And it it appears that there's been a basically a multi-stage, multi-phased account. So it looks like somehow... Um, They were able to um, get phone numbers from uh, from phone companies, telecommunications companies of of targeted individuals. Um, And then once they were able to get those phone numbers, then they sent out phishing texts, if you will. The cool kids call those smish smishing. I can't even say it, but basically a phishing text where they sent a link to all these phone numbers that they already had. And this this link basically went to a fake Okta uh, credential web page. Um, and then they were able to get their uh, their multi-factor um, codes from there. They were able to get different things from from that. 
And with that information, um, so far we know of over 9,000 accounts that were hacked um, at uh, at least 141 businesses. So um, I think the uh, the whole name of this campaign, you know, Octopus, um, you know, it's a play, play on words because they were going after Octa stuff. Um, but the whole, you know, the idea of an octopus having tentacles that are all over everywhere. Um, this thing's turning out to be uh, really huge, man. And it's uh, it just underlines the importance of training people because we're talking companies like Twilio, um, which Twilio has Authy. They ended up getting into like 93 accounts out of 75 million. So, so that's not the end of the world there, but, but that's another multi-factor, you know, like Octa's one, Authy's one. Um, they got into Cloudflare and also possibly DoorDash, which we're going to talk about um, in a minute. But it just underscores the importance of training people. Um, and, you know, a lot of times mobile gets ignored. Um, but if they can get a hold of text and do links like this, you never know what people are going to do. So, um, wow. yeah, they're, they're, they're basically attacking the, the, the central piece of a lot of people's MFA. If you're not using, well, and, and I guess well, a lot of people's cybersecurity. Yeah. A lot of times that's all they, they have or they're concerned about. Right. Exactly. So, right. I mean, it, 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 in a, in a way, it's a really smart way of approaching it from, from their perspective. But it also, to me, goes to the fact that I think, you know, and we've talked about it before, people put a little bit too much stock in MFA as a sole means of cybersecurity. And that's, that's, not just because they have it. It's like, it's, it's like, I don't know. It, it's a good thing to have. I, I don't want to discourage anybody from no, having it. This is a very basic, it, you know, it's necessary. Level. But uh, what I was, where I was going was like, I guess the best analogy I can come up with quickly is like a life vest on a boat, right? Mm -hmm. You can have a life vest on a boat, but if you don't put it on, you know, if you don't use it properly, which is kind of where we're at now with MFA, you can have MFA turned on active, you know, get the code sent to your phone. But if you don't know how to properly handle that, the chances of it protecting you go down. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, yep. so if you don't know how to use a life vest or put on a life vest or you don't have it on when the boat starts sinking and you can't get to it, you know, it's no different. So. What companies are starting to realize, and this is the cat mouse game that we play in cybersecurity, mm -hmm. cyber criminals looking at human behavior and saying, okay, how are they doing things today? And what are things that we can do to get around these things that they're doing or trick them into doing? It's no different than how they figured out how to get people to trick, click on links or open attachments, steal your password. And now they're figuring out how to steal your MFA because they're preying on the fact that you don't know how to properly handle things like smishing texts when they come in. And that's mm -hmm. that's where we're living today. So how do we combat this? I mean, it's got to start with education first. Um, you know, it's very important for people to be trained. I know yep. we've got a lot of other other reasons. That's that's the first one pops in my mind. But and, and more importantly, from the top down, too. So that's another thing that we see. Oh, okay. You know, training, that's cool. We'll push that out to my employees. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm the business yeah. owner. I don't need to do that. I'm, so I'm not gonna I, that. I have a question for you guys. It just popped into my head as we're talking, as we're talking about this. I mean, I, I, I have a guy on my hockey team and he talks to me about the stuff that they do in their company for cybersecurity. They don't work with an outside firm. They have like one guy, pretty big company too. Um, 
And he's like, oh, yeah, we use no before, right, uh, for training. Mm -hmm. I kind of know all these platforms. I, I don't know no before specifically. I know a few others specifically. Mm -hmm. And do you guys feel like the content in those platforms are being updated or they're relevant enough for how quickly these attacks are evolving? I mean, I think a lot of the attacks though are still, you know, attacking the fundamentals. So, so in a way, I think yes. I I, I don't know that they're going to be as up to date with, you know, some of the the stuff that's happening like you know a week ago. But I don't know that a lot of the users are even capable of understanding some of that stuff. It's really getting that. I know, but I think it's important that I think it I think it's important that if you're a company and you mm -hmm. use MFA, right, that you provide some kind of training around the fact that this is how it should work and these are the attacks that we're seeing yeah. so if you see something like this be aware just like you do with phishing like check the sender right look for spelling mistakes you, you know here's what an mfa attack looks like you know um i guess that's my question do these platforms like know before and i don't know what else is out there off the top of my head um id agent um and secure uh, now. now are they producing their content and keeping it up enough and getting it to the end users in a timely manner where that's effective or does there need to be something else i guess is my question like maybe you, you can use those platforms and that'll get you the foundational stuff as you mentioned but when things break like this should MSPs, MSSPs, IT departments be cre conducting webinars or pushing out videos that kind of, you know, give you that? I think that. Because yeah. sure. what I've seen is a few things. The videos are usually really cheesy because they want to try to make it funny, but it's not right. funny. Kind of like those dad jokes that like yep. we talked about one time. Yeah. Um, another thing is when the employer is giving it to the staff, they're just saying, hey, we need this done by Friday. Mm -hmm. And then what? Yep, exactly. And then all they do is everybody's got two screens now. So one screen, you got it just playing in the background and the other one, you're just doing the emails and you're not really listening. So I think that human training is the best thing uh, that you could do where if when you have your department meetings once a month or whatever it is, sit everybody in the table, make sure the cell phones are put away and listen mm -hmm. to the speaker and, and let him talk about those core, those core things that needs to be talked about. This is just important. Businesses should just share our podcast with all their employees and not <laughs> exactly. solve the problem. So. But I think it's important too that, that the 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 ownership and leadership of these companies enforce it. I mean, I, I've got one company in particular that that the the ownership has bought in and, and they they really push and make sure that people go through the training um, and take it on a monthly basis. And I've had conversations with some of the people over there, like, you know, yeah, it's usually kind of boring to watch, but at the same time, like it puts this you know muscle memory in the back of my brain where when I look at a, an email, you know, I, I instantly spot some of the things that that are, are talked about in this training. So just it, it doesn't even have to be like in your face, but it, it really uh, gets into their heads and, and tells them what to look for. And so this uh, this octopus campaign that they're calling it. Um, and I mean, we can talk about the number of organizations that it has impacted. Um you know, one of them, you know, that's going to be well known to most people is DoorDash. Um, and they were basically a victim of this. So 
uh, Randy, what happened? What happened with DoorDash? I don't think we talked about that too much, did we? Uh, no, we really, really didn't get into DoorDash. I'm, um, basically, so they've been breached before. Um, they were breached here recently. Um, it looks like they were able to get into um, some internal tools, um, which you know, it's in quotes uh, in this article that we looked at. Um, <laughs> that's probably the most disconcerting thing in this whole uh, article because those internal tools give the employees of DoorDash access, basically God mode access, depending on the tool, um, into uh, employee data, um, customer data. Um, and so basically employees and customers had contact information um, exposed, partial credit card information exposed um, and, and things like that. It's, it's not good, especially for DoorDash like I said, this is the second time they've been hit in like three years. So I guess the first thing I, I want to kind of ask is we're talking about an, a big attack or this is considered a big attack, right? But nobody's gotten ransomware from it. I guess let's give people an insight and open up the window on what they're, what they're doing with this breach and what they're after and then when they get it what they can do with that data so to speak without giving away you know too much of the conversation i mean they're they're after the money well they're after um, the money but what can they do with the data right because there's no um i, I guess what i'm saying is is this isn't like a one-to-one -one transaction this is no this is a long-term play here yep. and that's where i think people are going to have a really hard time understanding what we're about to talk about because of the way that we live our lives today with just everything just being instant. Right. Um, people have a really hard time, in my opinion, looking at things from a long-term perspective. And usually those are the most damaging things. It's, you know, ransomware is a very in your face, quick thing. Boom. You're in the middle of it. Pay me money. You're not seeing that here with this attack. You're just seeing them get in, look for data, take the data. What are they going to do with that data? They're, they're going to use it to build profiles. And right. they're going to use it to do targeted campaigns. You know, so if, like, like in this case, they got contact information, last four digits of credit card. So... I'm they just got orders. The they got your address. They know where your orders were went. Exactly. You know, Right. craft an email that says, you know, hey, this thing that happened, you know, last week, um, we accidentally charged you $25 too much. Um, please enter your credit card information again to verify it's you and we'll refund you. Boom. Mm -hmm. They just made like $80 million. I can send a text message to you saying, hey, it's uh, Mama Mia's restaurant. You ordered from us last week. Here's a 10% off coupon. Boom. Link. Boom. Mm -hmm. Now I'm in the phone. All yep. of this is like breadcrumbs that they can use to the next attack, right? So, so they got the the uh, the phone numbers from from telecommunications. They got into Twilio. They started hitting MFA. But like at some point, they they were able to get what the MFA screenshots look like for these individual companies. So they were getting yep. into the email at some point, just sitting there waiting to see what these these screenshots look like, so that so, they could reproduce them and move forward and get the next layer of data. Right, and it's. And I've said this before, it's no different than what the marketers are doing. They're taking your data and they're putting ads in your face to try to that where they think you're going to buy something that they put in front of your face. That's their goal. 
the goal of the cyber criminals is to get enough information about you so they can craft some kind of message, whether it be email, whether it be creating a website or, or a, you know, a text message link to get you to click on it. And this is all information that they're going to use in the future to get you or your company to do something. Um, you know, and it could be, you know, changing your bank account number yeah. to wire money somewhere else. You know, when you're buying a house, when you're doing a major transaction, your payroll, that's all these things that we're seeing out there where all this information is being collected and used. And somebody's going to go, well, we have enough information on this subset where we can start running this campaign and try to, you know, get a bunch of companies, employees to change their payroll account to mm -hmm. our, our account. It, it's interesting though, to make that, that, comparison because now we're saying i just had a conversation with somebody yesterday who had gotten a bunch of emails uh from a, a company saying hey your your subscription set to renew your subscription set to renew which is you know an email scam that's going around right now well in this case it turned out to be legit but she thought it was it was a scam because there's so many of those going out there now so you don't even know what's real and what's what's not anymore yeah so the the good uh answer to that is like so i received one of those yesterday from one of from one of my vendors and so um, which, which they actually, when I, um, anyway, I'm just going to say it made me suspicious. And so I won't go into the details, but what I did and what I would suggest people do is just go to the actual website. So if you get a thing for your chase card that says your payments overdue, just go to chase.com, log in, go to your account and pay it from there and just ignore the email, like take the email as an alert, delete it, and then just go straight to uh, chase.com. And yeah, and, and also make sure you look at the URL. So don't don't click on the URL that's in the email and assume that that's the website either. Go to the website manually. What was that? Yeah, what was that, Andre? Yeah, no, I was going to just say is it, this shows how organized and patient these hackers are because if you rewind our mm -hmm. show about six months ago, we were talking about how on the dark web, hackers were looking for T-Mobile and AT&T employees to steal, you know, to give them the information, to give them logins. So we're just seeing a timeline of just them slowly, slowly, yep. slowly, yep. you know, getting into our systems. Yep. Well, you know, the other thing with this information, um, saw recently uh, with uh, some a company that we've recently started dealing with, um, that when we initiated a protocol in their tenant, um, they received an email like six hours later that was geared towards that made me made me suspect um that somebody bad was in there but bottom line is every little bit of information that they can get um they're going to turn around and try to use it against you is the bottom line and and the more they can get the more targeted they can be and the more likely you are to uh click on it is the bottom line mm -hmm. yep the more real they can make it seem and more it seems like it's a, a message for you and it makes sense to you that, you know, Hey, I, I do business with that. And yeah, I just did that. It, it, the, the higher the chances are that you're going to click on that. And the other thing, fair warning, election season's coming up <clears throat> and you're going to get a lot of text messages from a lot of strange places. I would just delete them. Don't click on anything. It's going to be make it could look like, hey, like donate to this campaign. And it's really not a donation link. It's something to, you know, get more information about you. You get random text messages for people around political stuff. 
my advice is just delete it. So, all right, guys. So let's just jump into some ransomware attacks. I mean, there were so many. It was unbelievable. But there's two that are hot right now. We're going to jump into them. Um, Chile and Montenegro, two separate companies. Um, Montenegro is, from what I hear, in a really bad way. Um, and I kind of was thinking about this this morning, and I kind of knew we were going to talk about this today. But, you know, these probably aren't the biggest economies in the world. And there's probably some businesses in in the United States that have, you know, their their economy or their GDP or their revenue is similar to these countries. Um, so going back to what I said at the top of the show, like, this can happen to any company. It can happen to any country. You would think a country would have their crap together to where their whole entire government wouldn't get shut down by ransomware. Um, I, I'm pretty confident in saying that I don't think our government is networked together where the whole entire government could be breached. You know, they're they're pretty, you know, well siloed off for the most part. Um, I don't think on purpose from a security standpoint, I think that's just how they bought, you know, their infrastructure, you know, each department got a budget and they went and Accidental built segmentation. Exactly. Exactly. So Andre, we're going to lean on you a little bit here, but what's happening in, in Chile and Montenegro is one worse than the other. I think, I think Montenegro is pretty bad compared to what Chile's experiencing, but I, I don't know what's going on in Chile to be honest with you. Yeah, so this started around August 25th, and we got the Cuba Cuban ransomware is coming up again. And essentially, they're targeting government systems, utilities, electricity, water systems, transportation, and even several power plants have had to switch to manual operations as a result of this attack. So um, some people are saying it's uh, Russia going um, after Montenegro after they joined the NATO alliance. So that could be some, you know, country fights there i i know for a fact cuba ransomware is a russian-based group yeah because um, i've i've done you know research on them um because a lot of people hear the name and they think it's cuba right. <laughs> it's like out there deploying ransomware uh, and that is not the case uh it's just the name of the group yes so what we have now is a ransomware attack so these systems are essentially not working um, and they're claiming that they have financial documents, correspondence with bank employees, account movements, balance sheets, tax documents, uh, oh, compensation. They got to have yeah. everything. Yeah. And this is not the first, this is it's now starting to become a trend because we know back in um, April, we had the Costa Rican government. So this is something where these smaller countries, where usually, you know, everybody's going after the US and Europe and stuff like that. And now these smaller countries are need to start also um, making sure that they stay um, secure. So is the ransomware demand 10 million? That's what, yeah, that's what the articles are saying, which which sounds like a very low number for the trouble that they're dealing with right now. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking, but yeah. hey. Um, yeah, I, I just don't, I just don't, it boggles my mind that that's the number. Um, We've also seen those two-pronged uh, ransoms, though. It's like you, you pay the first payment, they're like, oh, you paid that one really easily. So you know, here's the real bill, then they give you another number. That is true. That is very true. Um, and I would imagine that at this point, with the way that it sounds like their infrastructure was constructed, 
they probably have a hundred backdoors already planted. So unless they're planning on, you know, redoing everything, they're going to get back in and they're going to get hit for more money. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised these computers are running, you know, Windows Seven still and things. That's like just that. the first course. Yeah. <laughs> the 10 million. So this uh, ransomware amounts uh, very similar to the amount that they asked from Costa Rica. I think Costa Rica either started at at 20 and they cut it back to 10 or they started at 10 and upped it to 20, but it's that same ballpark. And it is surprising that an entire country would just be, you know, 10, $10 million, you know, for an entire country's uh, systems is crazy. Yeah, it's wild. So um, you guys got anything else you want to talk about on this one? Cause I'll jump into this. Basic um, tale. I did want to throw ahead. in one little, one little piece of info here is that the, these small governments especially are on a vulnerable footing because they probably have some systems that are either they wrote themselves or that are specific for government where, you know, if you have like uh, a lot of businesses in the USA, um, they're going to have, you know, like 365 data and then they're going to have like some web based uh, services that they use. And yeah, you know, you don't want your QuickBooks to get hacked but they would have to hack QuickBooks for this to happen. And in this, the case of these governments, we're talking about they probably have literal systems that either they have written themselves or they've bought, you know, to do the driver's licenses and things like that. This, that just makes this an even bigger nightmare because they're going to need experts to come in, probably uh, specialized experts probably to come in and be able to get restored. This, As soon as I read this, I'm like, wow, these guys are going to be down a long time most likely. And they're probably going to have to just convert to pen and paper for a while or something. This is just scary. Mm -hmm. Yep. So another ransomware attack is uh, uh, the nation, the United States largest uh, supplier of both physical and digital uh, books to public libraries was hit with ransomware. So if you like to go to the library and you like to get books, you're probably going to hear supply chain issues and have to wait for books longer than normal as a result of this. Um, but their team says they're working around the clock to return to normal operations. Um, and, you know, it says our priority has been remediating our systems and ensuring they are sanitized. They posted this on their website. Um, you know, they've been down for over a week which is kind of something that we talk about on this show a lot is, you know, a lot of things happen in a cyber attack and you have no idea how long you're really going to be offline. That's why when you do incident response, you want to plan for different scenarios and different timeframes for, for when you can be, for how long you can be down. And um, when you're talking about books and, you know, this is part of the supply chain for libraries, to, to get books on their shelves, um, new books, old books, you know, obviously people take books and don't return them and libraries have to replenish that supply. Um, especially when it comes to popular books that people want. So, um, this is going to impact that and probably going to impact, I would imagine that they probably supply schools with these books as well. Um, you know, so it says public libraries, you do, you know, up here in the Northeast, it's usually, you know, your, your town or your, your township that, or your county that has the library system. But I imagine they probably feed schools as well. 
um, you know, so this is going to affect a lot of people down the supply chain. So just another example of like, I guarantee you this company at one point thought like nobody would hit us. Why would they want to hit us? We just sell books to, you know, municipal governments. Um, and just another example of everybody's a target. Even individuals, in my opinion, are a target. You just get hit for less money. Yep. There's two really good quotes in this article that I like that I think are important. Uh, the first one, and I, I believe as I'm reading this, they're talking about you know the business community in general. Clearly, our current approach towards cybersecurity is not right. And I 100% agree with that. Uh, the other one that I liked was downtime in services can be disastrous for a business with it potentially affecting both customers and partners, which ultimately can lead to a loss of trust among users and the enterprise taking a big financial hit. More worryingly, however, is the impact it can have upon employees. Yeah. Uh, I think I think yeah. that, I mean, that's that's not news to us. Wow. But I, I think it's something that a lot of businesses don't think of. You know, they they think about the moment. They don't think about the fallout from from what that incident can cause. It's not fun to go through one. No. Well, and, and, and so, uh, you know, some examples of how that can impact employees. I mean, if, if you're not prepared for it, if you know, talking about, you know, what you were referencing with the uh, the smaller governments and how long that they might be down, like, if that's a business that's down for, you know, a, a month or more, what, what are, what's going to happen to those employees? They can't afford to keep paying them to do nothing for a month. So they're going to get furloughed um, and then potentially, you know, find other jobs. And then, you know, with the job market the way it is right now, that, that could destroy that company even further because they're going to have trouble finding people to hire, you know, both on trust and just on, on availability of the workforce. There's another quote. Yeah, um, a quote. Go ahead. Go ahead, Randy. Go ahead. No, All right. Well, so a quote that, that, that really hit me. Okay. This is going to sound like kind of lame. It's kind of nondescript, but it says the library services provider also said that as soon as systems are sanitized, it will proceed to restore them, bring them back online and return to operations in a phased approach. Now that's classic by the book, but, but do they know how they got in? Because if you don't know how they got in, I mean, they could literally have 20 lines of code in mm -hmm. a hacked BIOS on, you know, some system in there. And they hopefully, they, hopefully by the word sanitized, they mean we're bringing new systems in. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just I'm like, I hope it's that easy for them. No, and I, I think that's a really good point, though, that, that people need to realize, you know, it, it's not something where like if you have an incident like this as a small or medium sized business that you can just bring in any IT Joe to come in and, and clean this up. You have to be using people who are trained on what to do here. Otherwise, you're just setting yourself up. That's why we see so many that you know get hit once and then they get hit two and three times after that. Yeah, I've seen that before where they they get hit and then they just like a off the shelf product like malware bites and you know it cleans something and then like yep everything's good okay right. good I didn't have to pay this guy five thousand dollars for a risk assessment or something like that. Meanwhile, the hacker's sitting there laughing. I'm gonna, okay, yeah. I'm just gonna keep reading your email until you have another uh, financial transaction yeah. come up. And we'll, we'll send it's that to you. It's the famous Jack Daniels story. The company has got a back. Exactly. They got a backdoor like in your printer or something like that. Mm -hmm. They're just going to hang tight until you get everything clean and then do whatever they want to do again. Well, and insurance companies are catching on to that, too. So, like, if you've got insurance and you can't show them how the attack occurred, they're going to deny your claim as well. So you, it, it's so important to have somebody who's trained in this to do the forensics and figure out exactly how they got in and how the, the attack occurred. Because you're going to need to know that to make wow. sure that they're gone. And you're going to need to know that so you can tell your insurance company so they can you know, decide to pay your claim or not. All right, so one last kind of 
discussion I want to have around this uh, attack on this is, and, and I think that they're they were quoting an expert, and I don't. I'm trying to wrap my head around whether I agree with this or not. And I wanted to ask you guys, I'm going to read this. And what the question I want to ask is, is do you feel that this is how it is out there in the business world? Or, and what it says is by shifting the mindset of security teams from mitigation to prevention is, I guess I'm going to stop there. Is that, is it really, and he just goes on to say organizations can stop ransomware attack before they breach the network. Is that really where we're at? Like our, like, I don't think that that's where we're at. I don't I think, think that's how we got in this place in the first place. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody's trying to mitigate or prevent. I think mm-hmm. people are like, I'm just not going to do anything. and I'm going to hope I don't get hit. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. I, 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 I think there's a lot of that for sure. I, I think the other side of it is people just going right for the protection and not thinking about anything beyond that, you know, and just limiting their se- themselves to that one tenant of cybersecurity and not looking at the big picture. Mm-hmm. And you right. got to realize that nothing is 100%. You could have all of the security available in the world right now, and somebody can still get past that. That's why it's so important to make sure that you have things uh, in place that are monitoring and make sure that they, they, they didn't get past those protections that, that are in place. You, know, you, you have to just hope that you can contain something when it gets through the protections that you have to limit the attack, You know, as opposed to not having anything or not noticing that something gets in there and then having a much bigger problem on your hands. So yeah, the state, I was, uh, uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Is your state of businesses, in your opinion, just like, yeah, we have our backups, so we're good? That's kind of where I, how Whether I'm the mitigation. Yeah. Mitigation is, okay, if we get hit, then we have things to fall back on. Rather than like, let's prevent this from even happening in the first place. You know, we're going to get hit, but can we recover? Can we get back up? That's usually means you need to have backups, right? Backups uh, are, are, are a big one, but I, I've even seen people who, you know, I've got virus protection and a firewall. I'm good. Yep. You know, they, they just think that some of these things are the end. Well, wouldn't that be prevention, not mitigation? Yeah. Or no. Well, so the, the problem well, with the question. <laughs> part of it. Right. Because, I mean, it's a good discussion, right? Yeah. Because traditional antivirus, to me, is not prevention. No, it's. Because you already have it. It's just telling you you have it. Right. That's mitigation. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you got a problem here. Shit being encrypted. I mean, um, to me, the important thing is you, you you can't do any one piece of it. You you need the whole the whole. Oh, we we all know that. What do you go ahead, Randy? Randy's typing in. I want to talk. <laughs> My head's about to explode because the problems Come with on. the question in the first place. Yeah, um, you, you don't move from mitigation to prevention. You need mitigation and prevention, and prevention was like was like 2010 okay you build a moat around everything and you get in your castle and you get up on top and you look for people to come in but nowadays you need to assume that people are already in your network which means you need to segment everything so if they get into one section they can't get into the other places you have it's a whole different approach than what we used to do it's called zero trust but it's just a whole different and y'all y'all already know that it's a whole it's a whole nother approach from you know just building a moat around everything. So the bad guys are already the bad guys are already in your system, right, Randy? They're called your employees. That, yeah. They're called your employees. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry, that question got me started so bad. Um, 
But Randy, I mean, seriously, your employee could be a bad person. Could be, you know, I know everybody wants to say we don't have bad people working for us, but we've seen it. Employees steal stuff. Employees do stuff. Employees get mad and delete stuff. Um, but there also can be a vehicle for a cyber criminal, right? So, you know, <clears throat> let's not, like, I like what you said, but let's not ha give anybody any, like, uh, you know, because you, know, you could say that, Randy, and somebody could go, there's no bad guys in my network. My guys got covered. We got, we got the best cybersecurity. No, the bad guys are in your network because you let them sign into their computers every day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it could be that. It could be, it could be a lot of things. You just... You just have to take a different approach these days than you used okay. to. And you're, you're looking at your, you need to look at like your, um, what is vulnerable. You need to look at like who has access to what, and you only give access to, to things that people need specifically. You know, you don't have one password for everything and everybody gets that password or whatever. There's a lot of things like that um, at play here. So I've settled down now. That question just lit me up. Yeah, um, <laughs> we like lighting you up at least once on the show. No, so. one, one more thing too is we talked about mitigation, we talked about prevention, but it's education too because you have the old school techs that still have that mindset that my firewall and antivirus and my Windows antivirus is all I need, and then you have the newer techs that don't know any better. So it's it's and then of course you have the CEOs who just you know don't want to do anything because they don't they don't know and nobody's telling them. Mm -hmm. So I think we got to put that in there as well. Yep. Yep. 100%. Good point. So final uh, thing we're going to talk about, guys, and this is like a little bit of, a, of an alert from uh, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Um, I'm going to jump to Rye to kind of go into this a little bit, but why we wanted to bring it up is, and it's kind of been a theme for the show, uh, it's not just about ransomware anymore. Mm -hmm. It's about a lot of different things. And this paints a really good picture of how one of the most prevalent ransomware attackers against hospitals is doing a hell of a lot more than just ransomware attacks. Yep. So what, what's the, what's the HHS warning uh, hospitals about in this? And there's a few good things in this article that, that aren't even directly related to this article, but more, you know, uh, broad reaching. So this is talking about how evil corp, uh, which, which is a Russian backed uh, group um, is also stealing uh, has been tasked with, uh, acquiring a intellectual property uh, from the U.S. health se sector. So, you know, this is something we're seeing a lot of. This is another thing that Chris talked about uh, last week, Chris Krebs, when we when we had the uh, the conference. Um, a lot of uh, the the nation state attackers are, are not just out to get you know the the typical cut and dry money ransomware BECs. They're looking for intellectual property. I mean, he listed off a whole bunch of sectors that China has straight up published that they were they were targeting so like if you fall in any of those sectors you're a target for for chinese hackers uh, so looking for this intellectual property is, is a big thing and and as we've seen the health sector is is extremely um vulnerable to this type of thing a lot of the equipment uh that they, they still use basically it's it's medical equipment that has a computer built into it so you know it's not just as easy as upgrading the operating system so they have to replace all of that equipment so you con consequently see a lot of aging equipment uh that is susceptible attack to attack in these things you know another thing it, it uh within the health sector that we talked about earlier was was training a lot of people in the health sector uh, are some of the, the worst trained on, on cybersecurity and, and what they need to do and, and, and things like that. So that makes them also a, a valuable target. Um, 
Let's see. They, they've been exceptionally aggressive and capable uh, in their tactics uh, to include ransomware, uh, but that the uh, the healthcare is among the uh, and among its targets or sectors operation or likelihood to pay some form of ransom. So they're also a juicy target. So you know this is going back to ransomware a little bit, but you know they're susceptible to paying. Which you know the more that they keep paying, the more that they're staying on that target list. I was talking to somebody two weeks ago who was in healthcare and. Obviously, I, they knew what we, you know, I told him we're, we're a cybersecurity company and he just went off like, you know, just having to lock his computer when he when he leaves the, the, mm-hmm. the room is like and, and like the timeouts and having yeah. to log back in just like that's the stuff that these people are complaining about, which just gives you an idea into the window of this guy's understanding of why that is important and why, you know, and again, it goes back to what I said at the top of the show. If you think companies really care about protecting your data, you're severely mistaken. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's kind of what we're seeing here. Um, you know, but what the article also points out is how much support groups like Evil Corp, which is a private group, get from probably the most um, well-funded criminal organizations in the world. And and when I say that, I mean, you know, criminal organizations in the traditional sense, um, mafia mafia type, you know, organizations, um, getting financial support from them to do these online and digital crimes. And then they also have access to tools that typically we only see Mm -hmm. like the Russian government having access to and using. Um, So, you know, it it brings up a lot of questions in my mind. First off is we know insurance companies like to put clauses in that say like, Hey, if this becomes a, you know, state sponsored activity or or an act of war, we're not paying. Right. And that immediately absolves them from needing to pay anything. And, and, you know, hospitals have a major risk there if they think that cyber insurance is part of their um, part of their plan for how they're going to recover. Um, and that needs to be something that they're talking about. Like, what if war breaks out? Right. Or what if things escalate in Ukraine to the point where, you know, these things are considered an act of war and not, you know, your normal ransomware attack. Mm-hmm. So, this, this, and that's why, you know, Chris uh, Krebs last week kind of mentioned that he's very intrigued by geopolitics because geopolitics is becoming ever increasingly playing more of a role in what is going down with cyber attacks, you know, every single day. Like, it, like I've, I've told you guys, and I've said on the show, and I've said it before, I, I study geopolitics simply because I see so many correlations with cyber criminals behavior and, and what, you know, the goals of certain geopolitical countries and what their goals are. So it's very interesting to me, but, you know, I, you know, to have that well-rounded understanding of where this is all going, um, really understanding what's going on from a geopolitical standpoint, I think it's critical for, for cyber defenders. What are you typing that, Randy? <laughs> Probably reminding you, we only, we only got a couple minutes left. We got some hard stops here. 
Yeah, buddy. So <laughs> I want to we got about three minutes left, guys. So let's wrap it up. Um, let's let's talk about whatever we want to talk about. No, and I just want to share my experience. I had um had some yeah. dental work in the last week, and this is a yeah. well-known Florida and Georgia, probably the biggest franchise in Florida and Georgia. Way, the um, doctor I was talking to two weeks ago, he was a dentist too. Okay, yeah. <laughs> And uh, this is one of the biggest franchise dental offices. And as I was walking through, I, you know, something I always looked to see what access points they're using, their computers and things like that. And as I walked through each office, the screen was on, there was no lock on the screens. And as I was wow. in the chair for a good 20 minutes, I kept on looking back, no lockouts. I could have took my flash drive, stuck something in, you know, rummage through their uh, the files or whatever like that. So even something like that. There, that's supposed to be organized because you're following the franchise model. You're using everything corporate, and they didn't even have it right. Well, I'll just I'll take it a step further. If it's a HIPAA violation if those computers yep. aren't locking after that's five right. minutes of inactivity. So, mm -hmm. and it was the same per like the doctor and the dental assistants using the same profile going in and out. Just oh, Jesus. oh dude, yeah, yeah, but. You know, I <laughs> I think some of that is is that they 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 don't care as much about that. I think some of it is also you know just education. They don't realize the reasons for that. They're focused on the immediate inconvenience to them as opposed to understanding why those things are in place. I, I think that's something that uh, we uh, in this this world can do a better job of of trying to push and train on them. But at the same time, they have to be receptive to it. Yeah, that's an industry that's been very uh, reticent to move mm -hmm. forward with HIPAA. Yep. and other things like that it's a little disturbing yep all right so we're heading into labor day weekend uh oh, yeah. Yeah, cyber yeah. Attacks. man you just you just ruined it for me now i gotta be yeah. on yeah there will be cyber attacks. we won't hear about them until november yep um and that's the world we live in today uh, the lawyers have taken over they know how to muzzle people really quickly in these things which you know Whatever you believe, some people think that that should not be the case because people need to know when criminal activity is happening so they can. And you look at it from the Twilio standpoint, right? And you see how many companies got whacked very quickly, right? That's where keeping things hush hush and not releasing information for a long period of time is counterproductive to what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying there's a perfect answer, but. You know, there has to be a balance and waiting two, three months or waiting till you have to file your SEC filing to disclose a cyber attack. I think, you know, I think we can do better. That's all. Mm -hmm. So for sure. have a good uh, Labor Day, everybody. We'll see you next week. Share our show. Take care. Have a good weekend. All right. Have a great weekend.